so I'm curious. Um, I'm wondering, does anyone in the house have 2020 vision? Just out of curiosity. Okay. How many of you wear? Oh, Rich, you have 20. Wow, you're like the only one. So, how many of you wear glasses or contact lenses? Just out of curiosity. Okay, so like most of the people here. All right, so I'm turning 48 this year. I know that's hard to believe, but I'm turning 48. And right around when I was um, turning 45, my eyesight, my eyesight started to go. And I was already nearsighted, I already wore contact lenses and glasses. Um, and then I started to notice that um, words close up were starting to look fuzzy. And I had to start doing this in order to read clearly. And I'd seen my parents do this, you know, when I was growing up. And all my life I associated that with old people. Um, and now I've become one of them. <laughs> and, you know, when you can't see clearly, you've got issues. So I was talking to Troy, our sexton, who many of you know, the other day, and he told me that he doesn't normally wear his glasses when he cleans the church. And the other day, he was like, you know, I just for some reason, I decided to put on my glasses, and I see so much more dirt now. And he was like, I haven't been cleaning very well because I've been wearing my glasses. You know? So like your sight and how you see, what you're looking at, makes a difference. And that's really what our gospel reading that Denise read for us is all all about. And in this short passage, the word see or look is mentioned 11 times. It's one of the very prominent themes in the Gospel of John. Like, what does it mean to see, not just with our physical eyes, but with our spiritual eyes? And what are we looking at? Like, what is the focal point of our spiritual vision? So in this story, there's this sort of virtuous cycle of seeing. And so first of all, you've got John the Baptist who sees Jesus coming towards him. And he declares to his disciples, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, you can't see this in our English, this particular English translation that we read. But in the Greek, the word here is ide. And when you translate it literally, it means look, behold, like it literally means don't miss this. Be sure that you see this. And there's a sense of urgency in it because what is being seen or looked at or pointed to is of such tremendous importance. And now embedded in that title that John is, is saying about Jesus, the Lamb of God, it's got all this really rich Old Testament imagery. So there's the Passover lamb in the book of Exodus, whose blood on the doorpost shielded the Israelites from death. And then in the prophet Isaiah 53:3, when Isaiah talks about the suffering servant, he says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth." And then again, in Jewish apocalyptic literature, there's this idea of a conquering lamb who would come and destroy evil in the world. Now, if you saw Jesus just on the street there, he would have looked like any other Middle Eastern man in the first century. And you might not even notice him. He was just a humble carpenter. But when John saw him, 
he saw him with a spiritual sight that was given to him by the Holy Spirit, like that this was no ordinary man walking by them. This was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, not just of Israel, but of the entire world. So think about what that means. The sin of the world. It means the sin of Hitler, of Stalin, of Kim Il-sung and his sons the sin of the U.S. government, the Crusades, the Holocaust, Jim Crow laws, genocide, racism, terrorism, the sin of sex traffickers and murderers, the sin of our own generations and our families, you know, our own secret sins in the dark, the sins of all humanity, they're saying, was pierced, that Jesus, the Lamb of God, was pierced for our transgressions for humanity, was crushed for our, all of our iniquities. Um, The writer G.K. Chesterton once said that original sin is the only Christian doctrine that can be proved because you just look at the past however many thousands of years of human history and you see the effects of sin and evil on our world. And so when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he could not help but cry out, look, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the promised Messiah of God who was sent to rescue us from ourselves. And as like the words to one of my favorite Christmas hymns says, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And that new and glorious morn, John the Baptist is saying, is because of Jesus. And so John sees that about the Lamb of God. And here's what's also true in this passage, is that it's not ultimately, even though, about us seeing Jesus. It's also about Jesus seeing us. So later in the passage, Andrew brings his brother Simon to Jesus, and and it says here that Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Now remember that Peter was an unschooled fisherman. So later in the book of Acts, you know, it says that that's what he was, he was just an unschooled fisherman. And so people looked at him, they didn't think that much of him. He wasn't that impressive in the eyes of the world. But Jesus saw this ordinary unschooled fisherman and he knew him in that moment, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He saw all of it. You might remember that right before Jesus goes to the cross, he says to Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. And Peter swears, no, I won't deny you. And yet, as we know, if you've heard the story, that in that moment of truth, at the moment when Jesus needed Peter the most, that Peter denied him. He denied that he even knew him and he abandoned him. Now, if I knew that someone was going to deny me and abandon me, like for example, if I knew that when I married Jimmy, that one day he was going to cheat on me, there's no way I would have gotten married to him. There's no way I would have gotten into a relationship with him. And at that moment, you know, Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him one day because he's God. And yet still, he looks at Peter with all of his imperfections and says, I am naming you Peter. And on this rock, as he says later in Matthew, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On this person who is imperfect 
and cowardly and unfaithful. On this imperfect person, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You see, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is not like us. He doesn't judge us the way that we judge each other. He doesn't come to condemn us for being bad or unfaithful or cowardly or dirty and point his finger at us and scold us. But rather the God of the universe who created us and loved us could not leave us to ourselves and our world and its, its sin and its shame and its guilt. But he drew near to us and he said, I see you. I see everything about you and I still love you. you know, the Jesuit priest, um, Anthony DeMello once said, behold God beholding you and smiling. And behold God beholding you and smiling. You know, so often we behold other people beholding us and rejecting us. You know, looking at us, looking down at us, judging us. I mean, the world has a lot of names for us, doesn't it? You know, I remember growing up, I heard those names, you know, unloved, unwanted, rejected, ugly, stupid, a failure, an addict, but Jesus sees us and he loves us. He went to the cross for us. And because of that, we are then, as we are healed by that loving gaze of God on us, we can then see others through the eyes of Christ and long for them to hear him say, you are Peter, you know, you're Christine, you're Michael, you know, you're Bill, you're Susan. We hear him say our name, but he says it with love and not judgment or scorn. And he says, this is who you truly are, you know, who God has called and created you to be in our world. And then to live in light of that knowledge of the love of God for you and for others in Christ. So tomorrow we're celebrating the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we're singing a lot of these great songs and hymns of the civil rights movement today in our service. And for hundreds of years, our country told African-Americans, you're not human, you're property. You are not equal to the white person in the eyes of God. And God used Dr. King and many others in the civil rights movements to say to the African-American community, God loves you, God sees you, and God cares about you enough to lay his very life down for you. And that's what we're going to do for each other, even for our enemies who are killing us. We're going to love them because that is what Jesus, the Lamb of God, is like. And so what is your vision like this morning? You know, how are you seeing? You know, who are you seeing? How does your vision need to be corrected? And this morning, John says to us, look, look at him, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold this God beholding you and smiling. And that's the prayer that we pray during the season of Epiphany. We say, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see you. Lord, I want to see you seeing me truly. And then with that sight, to be able to see our broken world the way that you do and love them as you do. And may that be our prayer this morning. Amen.